win against Titus. We are back on the airwaves after. A I'm back, short... Dave. I'm back. Woo! I'm back. Thanks for the input, Joseph. <laughs> totally worth interrupting my my intro for. Uh, we're back on the airways after a short little break where Joey's been off sailing the seven seas on a European vacation, much like the movie Euro Trip, I believe. Joey. Yep, I'm back from Europe. I went on a uh, two-week cruise on the Oceana Vista and we cruised around the Mediterranean and, boy, did I have some fun. So it's great to be back with all the fishing friends. Um, There's been a big few weeks in fishing that we're going to cover tonight. Uh, There's been the AFTA show, which is the Australian Fishing Tackle Association. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, Trade Association. Trade Association. Tackle. I don't know. Our guest is going to tell us in a second. Yeah. Because waiting on the airways, we have Black Magic Enthusiast or Pro Staffer, whatever you want to call it, Jonah Yick from Tasmania. How are you, buddy? Hey, Dave. Hey, Joey. Hey, Jonah. How's it going, my man? Good, good. Yeah, I just flew back home today and um, getting ready for my reality back at work tomorrow. Now, so you've been at the AFTA trade show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is for those that aren't aware? Because from where we were sitting, it just looked like a bit of a piss-up, but apparently there was some sort of work going on there? Oh, definitely not, Dave. Yeah, look, so um, definitely not to uh, a piss-up anyway. It was serious work. Um, so I fish for Black Magic Tackle and they generously flew me and my fellow sponsor, Michelle, mm-hmm. um, over for the for the. They flew you in from overseas. No? They did from overseas, that's right. Um so yeah, that's, uh, I guess our, our main um, our main uh, work initially was just to uh, promote the tackle, have a chat to people. Um, I actually didn't know what to expect because it was my first first after experience, um, and it was um, it was pretty pretty busy, I must say, but very enjoyable. So the idea is that it's basically all the fishing brands in Australia uh, and some international ones there, and. They're displaying all their products for the year, so that the tackle stores can come in and choose what they're gonna, what they're gonna buy and be selling to us public, basically, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. Um, it's basically like one massive tackle store under one roof. Um, the best part about it, especially for someone like me, is you can't buy anything, even if you wanted to. So you have to look at all the great gear, but um, there's not much you can actually do for the public, for um, people who aren't um, sales reps or agents. Um, you're pretty much just looking at a candy store, but you can't touch anything. Oh, that must be very hard, but it probably did save you a bit of money in the long run. So you were sort of, you were saying you didn't get a heap of time to get around and check out all the stands because you were so big, busy with all your fans. Uh, we know you're a big deal. You don't have to keep telling us over and over again. But we know that you're too nah. busy. <laughs> we know you're too busy to have a proper look at all the stands. But what what was what stood out to you, Jonah? There must have been at least one product that you thought was was pretty impressive. Yeah, look, no, I, I did get a chance to look around everything. I did have regular breaks and walks around when we weren't um, um, making promotional videos and and actually doing wind wind against tide promotional videos. Um, so at some points, Black probably, Magic did remove the chain from you and allowed you out from the stand? Oh, look, the, <laughs> my, 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 our master has no chains. We have free <laughs> reign and, uh, look, uh, they know that Wind Against Tide is one of our closest partners, so yeah. that, that was an issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, we, we were able to have a bit of a look around. Um, I guess most of the gear I was interested in was more towards the game fishing side of things. Um Black Magic Tackle actually probably had the best stand of all and, and uh, most of the time I didn't have to wander too much because it was right there in front of my eyes. But um, but then when I did <laughs> oh, when I did is, walk away, look. That's a classic when answer, I did walk mate. Away, when I did walk away for a wander, um, I did like the new electric reels. Um, mm. In particular, the Penn, um, the Penn International hooker setup, um, which I'm not sure if the viewers will – 
or the listeners will, will be familiar with, but it's yeah, basically a some, new... there was actually some international hookers on Joey's European trip. <laughs> so, he's had a, so he's had a good look got, at them as well. Have we got photos of them? Have uh, we got photos of them to compare with the ones at the, the trade show? I'm sure they were the same thing, weren't they? Look, it yeah. was the peak of European summer, I will say that. So, <laughs> yeah, there could have been... <laughs> there was a whiskey and cigar bar on board the cruise, so there probably was a few of them in the whiskey and cigar bar, but... Um, Jonah, tell me about this reel, my man. <laughs> what 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 okay, blew so your mind about this particular pen reel? This reel was amazing. It looked amazing, but the the thing is, so I've got I've got a, quite a few electric reels. I've got one of them which can handle big swords, um, the dialer marine power. But the thing is, it's still big and heavy. Um, you can manually wind with it, but it's the size of probably. Uh, between an 80 and a 130 size, it's cumbersome. Um, it wouldn't be great to harness out of. Look, do these things uh, have? Um, do they have uh, lithium batteries, or do you need to actually attach them to a separate battery? I know nothing about um, electric reels. No, well, so the one that I've got has to be um, connected to the boat battery, pretty much at all times, unless you want to unplug it and wind it manually. So these new pen uh, hooker electrics have uh, attachment plate which goes on the side of the of the reel um, and it allows it to be an electric reel so you could use it to catch your blue eye or whatever else but more specific for this you can retrieve your baits electrically um, if you're sorting and then if you do want to fight a fish um, you can unclip it and then harness in and it it attaches to all the conventional sizes so I think the uh, 130 80, 50 and I think 30 wide reels. Yep. Oh, um, the boys so, at the um, our local tackle store fishing online in Hastings, they actually had, I think they've already bought a few, Jonah, and I, I inquired about the price tag and it was something around $8,000. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I also I also inquired and I think it was around that as well. It gave yeah. me quite the fright. But I can, yeah. I can see what, how they'd be good because like I reckon my Tiagras have their life expectancy has been severely impacted from so much hand winding when lifting and dropping mm. sword baits. Mm. And my shoulder's been, its expectancy has been severely impacted <laughs> from all the winding. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it is a it is a pretty cool product. And, um, yeah, we just, I guess we need to sell, we need to do a lot more uh, black magic marketing work to be able to afford one, I suppose, Jonah. Definitely. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I think it's... Um, uh, it was nice to look at, but I'm not sure if um, I'd ever get one. Yep. So you're not against using electrics for swordfish, obviously, since you already do it. You don't consider it cheating? Oh, well, I'd say it's, I mean, for for winding the bait in, I don't see it as a real issue. Definitely if you're going to use the electric to fight the sword, um, it does take a bit of the, the sportsmanship out of it. Um, a sword is a sword, as they say, though. But, uh, but certainly I'd say it's not equivalent to fighting a sword um, harnessed in and, and hand cranking traditionally. Yep. Yeah. Now, Joan, I've got a I question. Don't, don't I, yep. oh. Yeah, yeah Joan. Can I go, go ahead? You can go there ahead. There you go. <laughs> Just for the, uh, for the, for the regular um, fisherman and fisherwoman out there, uh, when you're at after, what about um, conventional rods and reels and uh, lures um, did you have any standouts um, for you amongst the entire show? Um, look, the Shimano and Daiwa stall, stalls um, had a lot of different reels, bait casters, spin reels. They all look flash. They all look shiny. Um, I didn't have that close a look at them, to be honest. Um, but they had a whole range of brand new um, reels and I think they were even um, – uh, I think it was Daiwa that won one of the awards. Don't quote me on that, though. I think it was potentially they might have won Best Reel or something like that. Oh, um, all right. Enough boring <clears throat> fishing but, tackle chat. But but with oh. the rods, I'd have to say um, one rod really sucked me in and it was one that was <laughs> promoted by fellow Wind Against Tider, Fergie. Yes, um, you had the pleasure I mean, of meeting the, was... the world's most intense salesperson I heard. Hey, he, I did, and he and he, he sucked me in. That that was by far the best rod, best and most <laughs> impressive rod I'd seen. I think it was an atomic, but 
Um, I think Dave's got a snippet of it somewhere. Oh, I don't know if I saved it on here, Joe, <laughs> but it was quite a funny video. I watched it today. Jonah basically got salesman into this uh, atomic rod, and um, but yeah, quite a funny video because Peter's quite intense, intently putting laying on the salesman act, and Jonah's really getting sucked right in. Yeah, but Jonah was. Uh, Putting on his act as well because I thought the rod was actually going to break in his hand. <laughs> I thought it was just going to like be a brittle twig and just snap. No, no, it was very impressive, but I did also drive a hard bargain. So uh, I'm not sure where we're at with that, but I think I could potentially get a good deal from him. Yeah, you, 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 you get in our terms. You clearly don't know Peter very well, my friend. You're getting five for a thousand dollars. That was the last tally on it. Uh, was it? Was that it? Yeah, five for a thousand. Two hundred bucks a rod. Not bad. Nobody gets yeah, a good okay. deal from Peter Ferguson. <laughs> he, <laughs> they he, may think he, tra- he trained me in everything I need to know about real estate. We always, we, I tip my hat to Fergie. Very make, good ground. Make them feel like they're having a win, but secretly you're profiting nicely from them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Peter, I love you. Um, so, Jonah, what else was happening at after other than the fishing tackle? I know that there was some late night drinking and galas and. All sorts of shenanigans. Did you partake in a little bit of the nightlife up there at the Gold Coast? And uh, how did you enjoy that part of it, the social aspect? Uh, Yeah, there was a bit of that. Um, There would have been some hookers and masturbators in uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, I don't know what that reference is to, Joe. But uh, but He's talking about fishing. Yeah, Yeah, fishing. 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 Yeah, yeah, the reels, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I think most nights we, uh, we did have go out for dinner and, um, went out and about to some of the, the, uh, local haunts. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the retailers and everything, we all sort of went towards the same areas and, um, yeah, no, it was very enjoyable. Very good. Um, and how really was the, ga- how was the gala? Did, did you, um, did Black Magic win any awards? No. No, was there, was there no, awards? no awards for Black Magic. Oh. No, there was awards, um, but uh, Black Magic didn't win any, win anything specifically. Um, but um, yeah, there's a whole range of different categories, and um, yeah, the uh, the dinner, the food was good as well. So you're being very tight lipped, basically. But that's all right. We'll get it out. Well, of you. Yeah. Now you just yeah, well, you only they're, arrived they're... home today, didn't you, Jonah? So I thought you would have gone home on because the show finished on Saturday. Evening, I think, didn't it? It did. Yeah, I decided to extend my stay a bit um, and catch up with a few people, and obviously try and get out for a fish. Um, so the catching up with people was good, but the fishing wasn't wasn't quite as as hot as I thought it would be. No, I suppose it, you just imagine Queensland to be a fishing paradise, but just like anywhere, it can be quite tough. What did you go fishing for, and who'd you go with? Um, so the first day I caught up with a few other fellow black magic, um, ambassadors, um, from Victoria actually. And one of them had actually bought a boat, uh, on the way up here and they, they wanted to give it a test run. It was really? a, was it a Haynes, um, sort of like a, a tournament boat, oh, yep. a, a strike, strike pro, I think it might've been. Mm. Um, so yeah, we got it out on the, uh, on the broad water just off the Gold Coast there and had a bit of a flick. It's actually the first time I'd flicked for, um, from smaller estuary species. Yes. Yeah, so were you like most game fishermen when it comes to finesse fishing and just look like an absolute spaz? Not like me, by the way, Definitely, a lot of people. Definitely not. Definitely not. I, uh, I started right at the bottom, uh, flicking for all the bread and butter species. So it was good to actually get back to my roots. Actually. I enjoyed it. Um, using small, you know, small lightweight rods, but got a lot of small dusky flathead. Um, I think we got one size fish, about a bit over 40 centimetres, um, some small whiting. Uh, I did lose a massive toad fish, which initially I thought was a Samson fish. Um, it did actually look like a Samson fish. I'm G- not even GT. kidding. <laughs> GT, Jonah. Yeah. Yeah, we had it in the net and I think it bit through the net and fell back out. But it happened so quickly that I could almost convince myself it was a Samson fish. It was about two kilo. <laughs> right. Well, Not even kidding. So, Apparently Shane on the chat saying they're called a Haynes. I think he's got one actually, a Haynes Pro Strike. That's it? That's the one? 
There you go. Um, it was actually quite comfortable fish out or very stable. I mean, there was four of us on board um, and we could pretty much stand in the corners, the front and the back, and it was very stable. And, and I noticed on, and went on, quite well. on the boat you had a bit of a cook-up, Jonah, as well. Tell me about the oh, food. That was a separate trip. Oh. That, that was a separate trip. Okay. So finished with that um, and, yeah, got a bunch of flathead whiting and then I stayed with another friend um, in Brisbane. So I went down to Brisbane and we wanted to chase these fish called um, threadfin salmon, which had been on the chew. Apparently awesome. they're pretty, um, pretty legendary, the old threadfins. Yeah. They are, they are. And um, they're a crazy-looking fish. They've got huge mouth, big whiskers, um, and apparently fight really hard. So anyway, we we fished a, um, a spot called the Logan River. Um, the guy, uh, the mate that I went fishing with has got crazy electronics. He's got this side scan. Isn't there and, like giant and, bull sharks in there, in the Logan River? There is. There is heaps of bull sharks. A guy next to us actually hooked one. Wow. Um but it's pretty much like a muddy, mangrovey sort of um, system, I guess, um, with with quite strong tides. But um, the the electronics these guys use is just unreal, and they all seem to be the same because we've probably passed another seven, eight boats, and they all just sit there staring at their 12-inch. Um, well, this one, on, the boat I was on board was had a, a HDS 12, all have side scan and they pretty much just um, sound around looking at the side scan and you, until they actually see the fish and you can see the uh, the fish which the, the thread fin sits straight flat on the bottom. You can see the fork in their tail and then once we find enough of them sitting wow. on the bottom, you drop down um, small vibes and you lift them up and, up and down and uh, the technique's called teabagging. Ah, oh, yes, so, Joe is very um, familiar with teabagging. Oh, I don't know I what you're talking might, about. Yeah. <laughs> you're a banana. As the fishing technique, uh, of course. Yeah, like whiting. So Absolutely. just a slow lift up and down, basically, Jonah? Pretty much, and you feel it vibing. It, it, it shakes for a bit, then it drops back down to the mud, and you just go up and down, up and down. Um, but it was certainly tougher than I thought, and I think halfway through the day I did ask him what his strike rate is on them or what – um, a good day on the, uh, the threadfin salmon would be, and he said generally one to two, but more likely one. So they're not e- certainly not easy, but they average about a metre to 1.3 metres in size. So well, that's big, the s- pretty relatively big fish. That's the social media effect, isn't it? Like everywhere looks like it can be amazing fishing, but you're only seeing the best of it. Like even you can go to a fish field paradise and there's days where the fish just aren't going to bite and... So it doesn't really – sometimes it can seem like a location is a fishing paradise but everyone has to work for them, whether it's down south here or up there in the in the north, Jonah. 100%, especially for us southerners. I think we – it's very easy for us to look up at the northern states and think there's just fish everywhere, it's easy. Um, you know, the variety of species is, is huge as we know but you still actually have to work and grind away. So we grinded for probably – uh, probably three, four hours. He hooked up, did think he hooked a threadfin salmon, but it sort of charged the boat and the lure popped out. Um, he was devastated because he said that's probably our last shot. Um, oh, wow. I explained to him that I haven't explained to him. I asked him if he knew what the term death spiraling was <laughs> because at that point it looked as though he was death spiraling. Once I described it, he said, Yeah, that's how I feel now. He said that was probably our only opportunity. So he death spiraled down. He was it was it really nice, that fickle um, the fishing, Jonah, on that particular oh, day? Oh, it was unbelievable. Is, is it because well, it's can, like not in season or, or or what? No, well, he said this was the, he said this was the season, but he said we spoke to another boatie who went past us, and he said we should have been here a month ago, as the usual case is. He said that they sanded up a school of of twelve, they jigged five up straight away, all averaging a meter, and then the school shut down. Um, so this is the right season for them, but for whatever reason, um, they just didn't want to bite. And you could see them on the side scan. So you'd you'd see them, the fish on the side scan first, then it'd come up. He'd, he'd split the screen into three spot, three screens, I guess. Yep. And you'd have the side scan, then you'd have the normal sonar, um, and then you'd have another, um, another view of it, but slightly different colour. So the fish were there, but um, they were just very, very finicky. 
Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's the bite time. It's, they've got a small bite time, but um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. That's a real I shame. Did, I did catch a yeah, I did catch a small brim and a uh, trevally. Oh, well, that's um, exciting! But that was it. It was it, it. It kept with the theme of me catching extremely small fish for this trip. Yeah, well, yeah, you've got to aspire to something, don't you? No, that's right. Exactly. It's uh, as you say. It is. It is fishing, not catching. Oh, 100%. And um, sometimes mm. you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, my friend. You were the nail. 100%. <laughs> How's That's the fishing right. been back home in Tasmania, by the way? Or have you been too busy doing junkets? No, look, uh, I have. I spoke to a few friends while I was um, up in the Gold Coast and it sounds like everything's gone a bit hit and miss now, as, as it usually does late season. Um I think the tuna is probably still passing through here and there, but, um, but yeah, quite a few people fished on the weekend and didn't see a thing, not a thing at all. So, oh. <laughs> that's a depressing update. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, no, that's all. That's pretty much all I heard. I think um, a few guys went out on the Saturday and didn't see much, oh. but not to say they won't come back through in a week or so. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, Jonah, are you just going to hang on the line and just kind of be a part of the rest of the podcast or what's your plans here? Because Joey's going to... Yeah, gonna... I can do that. Ah, bloody beauty. So it's a, th- it's, it's a three-way. It has been a while, so... Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a three-way, it's, my friend. Sounds good. Just jump in whenever you feel like, my friend. You're in. You're no on the worries. team for the night. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, uh, so Joey. Yes, Dave. Whilst we had a little break in podcasting for, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. You've been on a cruise... Just tell tell us a little bit about it, Joey. Yep, so I've got an invite uh, to go cruising the Mediterranean. So I flew to Rome and um, from from Rome I w- went up to a, a town at the top of the Mediterranean called uh, Trieste and uh, the cruise went from, it was a very nice cruise. The ship was only, only three months old. It's called the Oceana Vista. It was 1,200 passengers, which in cruise... A terminology, not a big boat at all, but three months old and um, everything was just beautiful on it. Uh, there was uh, some restaurants on board and and uh, look, we had steak and lobster on tap. Like the food was just out of this world. Um, oh, Dave's even got some um, commentary there. This was one of the this was one of the buffet nights. Um, so just in the regular buffet. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me using my head to rip the lobster meat out of it, but I was, I was really obsessed with that. But uh, look, even like the lunchtime bar was um, off its head. Like back, just back there, they had um, you know, nachos with a hot cheese sauce and and minced meat. Um, that was at the lunchtime bar, but you could have like grilled mahi mahi and like baby lobster, like a surf and turf burger. This was like by the pool, so it was like. Really good food. Um, that was a lamb cutlet. Um, then, uh, well, back on that other picture, there was one of the stops in Greece. Um, the traditional Greeks of Laki. Apparently, it's not lamb, Dave. Wow, what it's, is it? It's pork. Oh, and me. and they, sh- they they shave the pork off. Um, there's a bit of like apparently um, gyros. It's actually Turkish because Turkey and Greece are really close to each other. But um, yeah, the, the the Greeks seem to fight the Turks of. Uh, who invented the uh, the the souvlaki or the the gyros? So, so, so our audience is being subjected to a small taste of what I copped for about two weeks, which was constant a constant barrage of food updates from Joseph. Uh, it did look absolutely amazing, Joey. Have you come back a bit heavier or what? Because you've been eating a lot. Um, two two and a half kilos heavier. And how do you feel about that? You happy with that? I'm alright with that. Ten days eating whatever the flip I want. Um, oh, there's some beautiful Greek uh, pastries there. That just up on the screen now. You've got these beautiful spanakopita um, there. Oh, and then go go back to that oh, other Joe, picture. Uh, Joey. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I just got a question. Did you try the octopus while you were in Greece? Yeah, you reckon you've cracked the code to tender octopus slash squid whilst there. Jonah, very, very upsetting. I, I did not get a chance to have octopus. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Why not? Oh. You You were talking it up beforehand. Just the people that I was traveling with, we just didn't get a good octopus spot. Um, Santorini was where I've, I've had great octopus uh, years ago, but um, we didn't get a chance to go back there. But, yeah, spewing. 
So here on well, the screen look, at the luckily, moment. Sorry, Jonah. Well, that's all right. Luckily for you, I actually do have an octopus report. Mm. Oh, yeah, go on. We'll actually, tell us a tell bit us about, about it. Stuff, stuff. No, keep, you can keep that on. That's nah, like nah, five minutes. No. Oh, fine. We need right. some good background. We'll, we'll watch. We'll watch um, brown man swimming around. That's all right. There'll be fish, Jonah. I, I absolutely love. So the Greeks are famous for perfectly char grilled octopus, and I noticed right. you caught some octopus and did a great job of it. Um, tell me. I do, yeah. But this is actually a more recent octopus update. So while we were in the Gold Coast. Um, we went to a nice fancy restaurant. I think it might have been on the last night. And um, two of us actually ordered the grilled octopus there. Mm. Yeah. And Is there more to the story? It was good. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, they were actually baby octopus, so different to um, the octopus that I've caught and how I probably would have cooked it. Um, that it was okay, but I still think I've I've probably I've got it. I've I've nailed it a lot better than the average restaurant. Oh, you think yours was better than the the restaurant quality? I do, I do. Yeah, that's right. right. Do you want to walk us through your so, process a little bit? Because it's actually bloody amazing your octo octopusing. I reckon octopusing it's amazing too. Fishery. So people, I've told a few people about this, and they think I'm talking crap. But there is a mm. a, a peninsula. There's a peninsula down there at Eagle Hawk Neck. Uh, is it Ithesis, they call it? Something like it's that. An isthmus. Isthmus. An isthmus. Ah, it's an isthmus. Yeah. Tried to sound smart. Right. And on a f- yep. it's on a high tide on a full moon, am I right? Yeah, that's right. The yeah, and they're real big octopi. They Yeah, so these oct- they they average probably these are adult Maori octopus. They probably Maori? average Maori, that's that's the species name. Sure, yep. bro. They, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> they they average about look eight to twelve kilo, I'd say. Um, and what you do is, for, for whatever reason, um, during these tides and when the moon phase is is full, um, they try to go up up the beach and and they're attempting to go across. To reach the sea, so you've got an inshore bay and and the um, uh, the uh, the east coast on on the other side, but but there's a road separating them. You see, mm. so the uh, the octopus end up moving up into the shallows, trying to get across the other side. And what um, why do the octopus cross the road? It's that age old joke, isn't it? <laughs> why does the octopus it is. cross no, like, the ethos? Like why? <laughs> I'm not sure. Actually, I don't know if it's because of Breeding and spawning. I actually hadn't looked that far into it. But you're not sure, but you're sure as hell there to murder them while they're trying to do it. <laughs> exactly right. And, and this has actually been going on for many, many years. I think the the uh, the famous um, commercial octopus hunter was actually a lady called Oki Rose. Oh. And um, that's right. And and I think her record um, catch of these big octopus in a night was something like 200, 200 plus wow. in a night. Wow. Why not? Um, what vin- what, year, us, what so, year is this that we're talking about? Uh, look, I think it was in the 80s, remember? Yep. 70s or 80s. Um, I don't know if she's still operating or, or if there is still a commercial fishery there, but plenty of people in the know will still go to these spots and, um, yeah, you just wait around um, with your torch and if you're lucky enough, you might see one or two or three. Um, generally, you're not going to, I think... A good number is sort of one to five generally, and once you spotlight them, they're either sitting on the bottom or they're swimming, and you pretty much have a gaff ready. You gaff them out of the water, and <laughs> and away you go. You absolute monster! We have to. Um, we'll share <laughs> some. We'll share some pictures of your octopusing um, on the socials. I think it's um, it's really cool. Okay, so you definitely should. You've gaffed them. So anyway, they go across a road. Okay. So you could be. So do people just drive no, along well, they, there and run them down, or no? Well, they don't make up the road because obviously there's because you get the, them, um, of course. Well, no, not not that, but also the beach. Um, there's there's pretty much a a bit of a bank um, to for them to get from the beach to the road. So they never actually get to the road, but they're trying to get across. So I, I'd be highly doubtful if an octopus has actually managed to cross over. You know. Mm. They sort of get the the beach is pretty much as far as they can get. Oh, oh, but that's no good. Poor, no, poor so rookies. in saying that, even if I didn't take it, 
or mm. people didn't catch them, they probably wouldn't do too well because they'd end up stranded and then all the birds peck, peck away at them. Yeah, no, so you're doing them a, a service. So your secret method for tenderizing them, have we run through that one yet? No, no. So what I usually do is I'll throw them in the freezer first mm. um, and during that freezing process I think that tends to break down the, um, the cell walls and everything else. Um, so then I'll defrost it after that. Um, I actually don't bash them or slap them around like the like the Greeks do traditionally. No, oh, yeah. um, we don't we don't stand for that in Australia. <laughs> no, no. Mm. So I'll I'll have a pot of water boiling, and then I pretty much um, slowly lower the uh, the octopus down into the pot, um, and basically blanch it. So I pull it in and out a couple times till the tentacles start to curl, and then I drop it drop it down into the pot, uh, turn the heat down and let it simmer for around an hour and pretty much when you pull it out, it will be absolutely perfect, tender. An hour? hour? About an hour, yep. Okay. One hour simmering and then once you pull it out, you're pretty much ready to cut it up into little pieces Um, and then you've got two ways of going about it. You can either marinate it, um, then go with a char grill Oh, yeah. Or you can cut it up into pieces and pickle it. Um, oh. Both both is really both are really good. Both char grilled octopus is just exquisite. We we have to. That's definitely my favourite. That's definitely my nice. Like I had it in Greece. They they so, char grilled it with some red saffron, and they had beautiful uh, Greek uh, white wine in like you know over thirty five degrees, and it was just a real treat by like the volcanic stony. Uh, beach and just go for a swim and oh, wish I was doing okay. it right this, now. <laughs> but this wasn't this trip, was it? No, that was a, that. I went and did that in 2019. Previous. But Greek islands, yeah, beautiful okay. place, and and what people were seeing up on their screens before was um an island called uh, Kefalonia, which was one of the cruise stops, and we just we swam at the most uh, uh yeah, crystal clear water on the Mediterranean. It's um sort of like an aqua aqua clear kind of blue like yeah the, it's not like the tropics it's a different kind of color but it's just absolutely beautiful swimming in the mediterranean um which leads me to another uh advance in uh sea recreation that i saw while i was traveling mm, and very excited about this yeah i was really excited so um in the european summer at the moment uh there's this uh, device made by sea um, which is called a sea bob which is a personalised water scooter, which is basically like this lithium battery personal jet-propelled uh, jet ski. And you can basically – it's not a jet ski. You kind of just hang on to it while you're in the water and you can point this thing in any direction and instantly you transform into a human dolphin, um, which we're going to put it up on your screen now. This is a live reaction for Dave. Dave, what do you what do you think about this? Is the sea bob? This is like the Amalfi Coast in Italy, and there's old mate. There he goes, bang under the water. No, that's pretty sick. Fifteen grand though, jeez, seems a bit over the top. Well, I've got some specs on it while we're watching that that video play. It's um, they're about fifteen thousand dollars. They are available in Australia apparently. Um, peak performance, two point five kilowatts. A speed over the top of the water, 15 kilometres. Speed under the water, 11 k's. 11 k's. Can you imagine going 11 k's under the water? I can swim that fast. (laughs) Speed control, full power levels. um, Charging time, 60 minutes. Like, can you imagine that down some of our Victorian beaches in the middle of summer? You would be a hero overnight. So, Anyway, our big announcement for tonight is that Joe is the sole distributor of Sea Bobs in <laughs> Australia. I can I can only imagine that's where that whole sales pitch is leading to. No, it's not. I'm definitely not. But yeah, Sea Sea Bob. I reckon. Um, yeah, pretty cool thing. Are you watching that, Jonah, or so, are you just on audio? Only? No, no. Okay. I'm just on audio only. So I'm I'm trying to imagine this. So, so Joe, are you are you on the surface or are you underwater? Are you holding your breath the whole time, or no? You or got, are you using a, no, you got a snorkel a, in your mouth. You got to hold your breath, like literally this, like device. You can point it into the water, and it's got a like it's a jet turbine. It just wherever you point this device, it goes. Um, it dives up to forty meters as well. There's a little bit of buoyancy in it, but uh, yeah. But oh. if you can't hold your breath 
for that time. You lose your sea then, bob. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You'd yeah. have to let go and <laughs> swim to the surface. You, you let go and the thing floats to the surface, yeah. Are you, are, you okay. can, are you thinking about how you could use it to harvest more seafood, Jonah? <laughs> yeah, potentially. I was just, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe if you could, if you had a, a scuba tank on your back with the sea bob, that could that could work quite well. Yeah, definitely. Just m- moving back mm. on the um, octopus, Shane's reminded me there that the classic Greek way to dispatch them is to actually grab them and they bite their bite their brain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is a bit. I, I didn't do it that way. No. Wow, that sounds terrifying, to be honest. Mm, well, the way I do it's also terrifying. Could potentially be, yeah. What's potentially. that ancient Greek uh, sea god with the with the three pronged pitchfork? And he maybe he just Old Poseidon. Oh. What's his name? Poseidon, I think potentially. Yeah, we'll go with that. Hmm. I was going to go with Old MacDonald. <laughs> He's got a pitchfork. Either or, a pitchfork. Mm. Their brains. Yeah, so he... But um, anyway, so... Yeah. Oh, sorry. What, oh, sorry. What I was going to say is, so definitely char-grilled octopus is probably one of my favourite seafoods, but amazingly, um, there is there are other people that who don't like it. Um, one of them was Michelle. Despite me trying to get her to try some of these little tasty bar, uh, char-grilled baby octopus, she wouldn't have a bar of it, but she likes squid. Uncultured swine. I thought so. That's exactly what I thought. To be honest, though, when I catch octopi, I tend to release them because they're like apparently as smart as a three-year-old. Well, she, that was her excuse as well and people refer to that, my teacher's, my octopus teacher or whatever it was. But, um, <laughs> That's how that happens. If you have good char... Yeah, but if you have good char-grilled octopus... That's not going to matter, is it? Um, no, it's not. Or you'll be releasing it knowing that at some point you'll wait for it to grow up bigger and you'll be... Harvesting it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely ruthless. Mm. You are. Mm. Hey, uh, yes. Jonah, I know you've heard all about our latest fishing reports, but there's been quite the large tuna bite going on, as there is every year here in Bass Strait, in central Bass Strait. used to be a, a absolute oddity, but it, it's become pretty common. And uh, Joey came straight back from his travels and we headed out on Sunday Actually, I've done a couple of trips while he was away and uh, I got absolutely bashed to death by the ocean. Quite unlucky. Had fish hooked around me, marked heaps of them on the sounder, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and I noticed that you were kind of struggling while I was away. So when I bypassed Rome, I mm. did actually throw a one euro into the fountain of Trevi and I, and I wished and I said, we're going to get a barrel next trip when, uh, when we come back. But I, I, I tossed you my done, you euro. You must have done it wrong. Yeah, I tossed my euro in and I made a wish for a barrel. But, Dave, you may continue. Well, we, we set out on Sunday, uh, a nice calm day, and I thought there's going to be a lot of boats out here. Still quite a large moon, so I thought we're going get to get out here early. Uh, we, we shot straight out. It'd been rough as well. It had been rough. The last is, few days. They're pretty good ingredients for a good barrel bite. A bit of weather, first calm day after the blow, and... I don't know about you, Jonah, but I quite like fishing around a full moon for barrels. And we got straight out there and old friend Brendan Wing, first of all, quite amazing he was out there so early. But second of all... I couldn't believe it when I was driving to the ramp. I'd seen his car pull out of the service road at Hastings. I'm like, gee, he's he's actually trying today. The old boy wound back the clock a bit because I, I just had this feeling, Joe, so I gave him a call. And I hear the high pitch puffing, excitement. We're we're hooked up. We're hooked up, Dave. And I can hear the Tiagra growling in the background and he's on. And I'm like, oh, freaking hell. I've gone to the wrong spot again. I was <laughs> 6K away from him. Yeah, we were wide. So we shot back there, Jonah, and he was fighting his fish. Um, two hours later, he lost it, unfortunately. He had swivel, t- swivel to the rod tip just out of guffing range and he pulled the hook, which is so often the case with these Big fish, but we were um, we were working around the area, and we had a rod absolutely crack off, Joey. Was it was it a blind strike, Dave, or were you, were you working a, a bust up? So life? we had general life in the area, um, but nothing like it was all moving around really quickly. There wasn't sustained like thick bait that you see the fish sort of hanging off. 
So you know what, Jonah? This was a bit of a Tasmanian-esque hookup because you guys pull a lot of your big fish off structure. You just troll dumbly around rocks and stuff, right? Oh, we Dump. troll around Emphasis rocks. Emphasis on the, on, the, um, on the dumbly bit. And we focus <laughs> focus our efforts strategically on these rocks. Oh. Yes, that's right. Continue. A single dull-minded focus on trolling around the rocks. Anyway, so the spot we were fishing is one of the most impressive bits of structure that we have offshore here. It goes from 50 metres up to uh, 27-ish, 28. So we're right on top of this rock just trolling around and the shotgun rod screams off. And I'm like, oh, we're on. Anyway, it screams off, dumps a whole lot of line. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a like. Oh, we're on. It was like, oh, I think I we're on. I think I literally said, hmm, we seem to have a fish on. <laughs> it was. It was really <laughs> relaxed. Uh, cry to arms. Anyway, she dumped a whole heap of line, and this was on the um, the spreader bar, which you can see in photo. Spreader bar with a bass straight lures, Hulk coloured bullet head, perfectly matched those two lures. Uh, pulled a heap of line and. Well, I'm going to have to put my hand up here and say I reckon we had probably the worst way of losing a fish, which was tackle failure. So we had the spreader bar out and the fish dumped the line. We got settled into the fight. Rob Blumick was on the boat. He was winding the fish in and we just never really got tied again. So at some point the line has sheared away from on the from the leader line has sheared away and we were left only with the spreader bar. But Jonah, you know this all too well, that awful feeling of everyone on the boat is crying, Oh, we're we're still tight, we've got pressure. And you know, in your heart of hearts, that's just the spreader bar or the lure. And oh, I was gonna say that that was probably the most painful part of the video. Um which and I've seen the, this sort of similar occurrence a few times where the driver is driving away as quick as he can, trying to trying to see if that rod's going to load up properly mm. and actually see line coming off the reel. The angler's still winding, thinking, "Of oh, I've still got something on here because the rod's bent from the uh, yeah. um, just the the uh, spreader bar running in the water," um, and then suddenly hearing the skipper or Dave saying, I can see the spreader bar on top. It's flapping it's, on um, top bars. Which is also a similar similar thing that happens when you're sword fishing and you're, oh, you're yeah. trying to drive away, um, unsure whether or not that sword's coming up at the same rate as you're driving away. Um, line's not coming off the reel, but there's still a slight bend in the rod, so you don't know if it's the uh, the bait just... just um, moving through the water column and suddenly you see it flapping on the surface. There's not much more heartbreaking moments than that. No, you just brought back a lot of bad memories about sword fishing actually. <laughs> it all kept coming back. The more I spoke, the more I was imagining it, literally. I can remember that exact moment many times. <sighs> but anyway, um, I got accused of having an early death spiral after that because... Oh, you didn't? You drove that boat around till uh, sunset. Physically, my body drove the boat around, Joe, but mentally... I was dead. Anyway, I uh, I knew because, you know, ratio on these local fish is probably about one in every eight to ten trips if we're being real. It was a good day though. Like, it was a good bite. We, yeah. Like we heard, okay, we, we lost one, Winger lost one. We heard another one got lost, but there was two or three caught um, as well. So, okay, what, six shots over, you know, maybe eight to ten boats. It's pretty good going for... Melbourne, 100 kilo tuna fishing. It is good. Uh, unfortunately, it just got quieter and quieter as the day went on though. And, um, you know, there was a couple of highlights we pulled from it though. First of all, Joe managed to entertain everyone on the radio when he gave the world's longest description of the gourmet rolls that he had provided the crew. Uh, it went for probably a good eight to ten minutes, this description, not even joking. And he finally reached... The end. He's he's midway through doing this giant description, and I'm saying I'm in the background going to the boys. Does does he know everybody can hear this? He's he's on the radio. Does he know that? No, I thought I was just talking to Brendan, <laughs> like it was just a two way conversation. <laughs> Undeterred, he carried on. Finally, this came to an end, and oh, some some old mate on the radio, which I really rate his response, just very 
calmly just responds, can you please repeat that? <laughs> I thought, please God. No. <laughs> no, look, like I, you know, it's been a busy week. I'd come back from holidays, I'd, I'd straight back into the hellfires of real estate and um, playing music and, you know, it'd been windy all week and, you know, people ask, you know, how much do I fish? But Like I fish but I really try to hedge my bets on when to go fishing and, you know, I got home at 2 a.m. from plucking strings in the band the night before and I just knew that, uh, yeah, m- full moon cycle and um, it'd been rough and the first chance for boats to sort of get out on these big tuna that have been biting, I had to make an effort to be on board. So I was running on about two hours sleep and, uh, yeah, I just uh, did ask Brendan, you know, we were trading uh, lunch uh, stories of what we ate for lunch and um, yeah, I tried to just give him some elaborate food connoisseur uh, description of our uh, cold meat salad bar and uh, yeah, the tuna fleet that was floating around us uh, seemed to think it was pretty entertaining. Mm. So anyway, I want to say a big thanks to Dave Jurisic from Bass Strait Lures because I told him I'd managed to lose his lure and he's had a new one built and uh, created and he's already posted it out, Joe. So we'll be set to go on the next trip, ready to go again. Yeah, love it. And just a nice little finish to that trip, Joe. We pulled into your favourite restaurante. We did. After a long uh, day on the deep blue sea at the eastern entrance, what not better to do than stop past the San Remo Fish and Chips co-op shop. But uh, last time um, I over-ordered fish and chips by running a phone order through on the mobile phone and Rob Bloomink, who was uh, on board, he said to me, Joey... Have a look. They've got um, they've got online ordering. So I was blown away. They've got like pictures of all the packs, different packs of fish and chips. Even like there's like a picture of like a single dim sim if you want to like add on like little separate items to your overall order. So I'm having a ball here on my iPhone, just uh, ordering up a storm here. I'm adding on extra items to the pack and just Apple paid it, bang. And then by the time we got to the the jetty, uh, I ran inside and the fish and chips was ready. So I rate the online fish and chip order from the San Remo Fisherman's Co-op. So highly recommend if you're running back in from the eastern entrance after a long day of grinding out on the tuna. The best thing about that was it was like the it was like quite horrendous, the current. It was precarious docking, right? It was absolutely pissing out the entrance. And I came into dock and I'm thinking, yep, uh, Joey's going to catch the boat so that we are docked safely. But no, I, as soon as I got near the dock, Joey is off, laser eye focused on the <laughs> fish and chip shop and he's away. And I'm like, yeah, don't, nah, we'll be right here, Joe, just uh, drifting into our deaths. He really was keen on those fish and chips. No, I did. I just jumped out of the boat. Dave, I think his exact words were, oh, you're going to catch us? <laughs> and by that, I was like already six steps <laughs> down the pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely no doubting where your thoughts and true love is, Joey. It's not the boating, it's the fooding, which is fair enough. Hey, Jonah, can you comprehend this? We used... Oh, 100... hang on, hang on. Before you move, mm. before you move on, I'm glad you guys had a good experience with your seafood. Mine wasn't that great when I was in the Gold Coast. Oh, Oh, so tell us. I tried. I think I I tried two separate restaurants, and I wanted to have some either nice saltwater, locally farmed or caught barramundi or Spanish mackerel. Every time I asked what the fish was, it ended up being hokey, oh. of which I've got about ten kilos in my freezer, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I could yeah. not buy it. So at least it wasn't bassa. Um, <laughs> No, but one of the other ones was a dubiously named whiting, which I didn't like the look of. Either. Oh, no, so whiting is, yeah. Just a general whiting some, in some Brisbane. And, uh, type thing. Oh, can I just exactly. say, Sp- Spanish mackerel is beautiful. Um, I did a little detour back from Europe through Port Douglas and that's Spanish mackerel fish and chips. And i got to say it was absolutely delicious. Well, that's what I was hoping for. I think we had that conversation just before I went up there, Joe, about Spanish mackerel and barramundi and could not find anything. Yeah, that's disappointing. So, but but my um, 
I think I, I was going to mention it to you earlier. My boat um, lunch experience yesterday was really good. Uh, my mm-hmm. my mate fried up some beautifully seasoned chicken, um, fried cooked it. it up on the gas, fried it up, Just seasoned, like a, and then fried it up like a breast. Just fried it. Yep, mm. cut up little pieces of breast, sort of rolled in um, different herbs and spices, cooked them up, fried them up, and then wrapped them up in a wrap with a slaw mix and. Um, some sort of a, a mayo. It was delicious. Probably the best best boat lunch I've had in a long time. Did he provide you with water? He did. Okay. Water as well. Very nice of him. Oh, just because yes. I've been on yes. your boat, he? he refused to give me any. And you you, you saw the two <laughs> water bottles, and just and because I didn't point at you to tell you one was yours, you assumed that they were both mine. Well, you're just such That's a right. th- threatening presence. I just thought, oh, I better not touch his water bottles. I'll just dehydrate myself to death instead. <laughs> Which you did, and it saved you peeing all day. So I mean, that was yeah. Well, a there's, thing, there's always that. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's what I was going for. But um, I was going to mm. say you would have been very upset. We used we used 190 liters in the day on Sunday. Yeah, I can't fathom that. What's I, your biggest fuel usage, Joe? <laughs> uh, I think I've had a well since I've had the new motor on. I think I've had a one. 60 or 170 litre day, but that was because I left from Hobart to fish the bottom of Bruny Island, which I think is around a 70 to 80k run, and then trolled, and then I ran back up there. So that was an expensive day. Hmm. Um, oh, well, that's up there. Yeah, yeah that's uh, it is on, up there, on, but... on Tasmanian, um, Tasmanian uh, waters. That seems fair enough. The fish just it is. nuts behind us. Yeah, yeah. The fish definitely went nuts. As you can see, the, the male there in one of the corners, he's kind of um, trying to make a little breeding area and he's shooing off the other fish away from his little breeding zone. So you might even see if he... That's what happened when I got to your house tonight, Joey. You we were trying to like, shoo, away. I was, trying, I was in your, your breeding breeding zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I puff some sand up in your face when you came near, thought, my be- near my bedroom. I thought it was strange, to be honest. I thought, he knows I'm coming. Why is he doing this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very odd behaviour. Did, like, did you like our Wind Against Tide remake of you guys with a Barramundi tank in the background? Yeah. Yes. With the, Fergie? The, the, the Yamaha Super Tank. They are like... I didn't actually realise Peter knew how to be funny, but it was pretty good. It was. No, no, he, he was on He was uh, on his best comedic... Um, Value for that whole whole day, I think. Yeah, many jokes. Hey, Jonah, just tell us quickly what is the Yamaha Super Tank? Um, so it's basically one big glass tank, and at the end of it is a, I guess, a makeshift tinny which is mounted on the top of it. And I can't remember which guys. It might have been the the, the Berkeley guys would were testing different lures, so swim baits, soft plastics, hard bodies. And they'd flick the lure to the other end of the tank, which is, let's say, maybe, I don't know, 15, 15 metres long, 20 metres long. Like this thing's huge. It's like a semi-trailer. Like they must have to fill that thing up like like days before to have an – like fill it up with water, then put the fish in there. And there must be some kind of big, big, huge filtration there to keep the fish alive. Like it's a pretty significant thing. Yeah, I should have had a closer look to be honest. Um, I actually in. wanted to hang around. I could have done that as well. Mm. Um, I was—I actually wanted to hang around at the end when we were unpacking every or packing everything up to see how they were going to go about um, sorting all that out. But uh, but it was too busy in the end. So I don't know if it was loaded up the way it way it was, or they drained all the the water out and got the fish out. But um, fish are transported dry, perhaps. <laughs> potentially, yeah. Mm. Which is an ideal for them. Uh, but next year, next year, we're actually we're coming up next year. We're going to check it all out with you. But we we do thank you and Michelle very much for being our Wind Against Tide correspondents up there. A lot of people actually thought me and Joe were there. Such was the great coverage you two provided. Oh, that's good. That's good. I think once you um, gave us the message to to try and get some content, we we pretty much tried to to um, yeah whip something up wherever we could. Um, it worked out well. I think a lot of it was pretty off the cuff. Yeah, no, you, you two are bloody naturals. When me and Joe finally have had enough of this gig, you two can ta- take on the uh, take the reins and uh, away you go. 
Now, uh, we're approaching the hour mark, Joey, so we're not going to go right into all the our fishing reports. We've kind of just covered what's been happening anyway. We even yeah. had some Queensland reports, but you were very keen to show a great friend of the show, Mal Scary's fishing adventures throughout yeah. the now week. We've we got a massive um, uh, catch of the week here, so we're just going to hit the button. King Kong, Donkey Kong, mate. Look at this. All right, up on your screen. Melanie Fullas with a 91-centimetre Murray Cod out of Eildon uh, this past weekend. Absolute horse of a fish. And she's caught it on uh, – she was with her husband, Steve, and they caught it on a six-inch Biwa Capiz in ghost rainbow colour. I've got no idea what that is, but what the hell is that, Dave? Oh, it's a paddle tail – uh, swim bait, soft plastic, Joey. So they brought that brand is brought in by good mate Mitch Chapman's uh, workplace, which is EJ Todd and Sons, and that's one of the brands they bring in to Australia, and they're really good, apparently. Yeah, Mel says uh, she pulled him out of a small pocket amongst the thick timbers, and they got it from Hooked on Bait and Tackle in Hoppers Crossing, and give Mick a shout out, LOL. So shout out to Mick. At hooked on bait and tackling hoppers crossing, got Mel. That's actually a grouse tackle store. That one, Joey. I went in there on my, one of the very rare occasions I was down that way. I was super impressed. Yeah, so, unreal. So well done, Mel. So that was on live scope, was it, Joey? Did no, you no, that? she didn't mention. I asked if it was the live scope. She didn't say anything about the live scope. Just pulled him out of a small timber um, pocket. That's actually a really beautifully conditioned cod. Joey. It's a, it's an unreal looking fish, ninety one centimeters. Like, that's you know, I'm not much of a Murray cod fisherman, but I'm gonna say that doesn't happen so often. Sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> tell me, what do you think? Uh, I, I think um, the bigger big big dogs are becoming more and more common, especially with modern technology. Is that something that interests you, Jonah? Jonah, big Murray cods. It is on my list of fish to catch, actually. So, so the um, the other Black Magic Pro staffers that I was fishing with, uh, they were uh, they're actually freshwater fishermen uh, or freshwater fishers, and they they do a lot of cod fishing. So it's definitely something I want to tick off. Yep. Now you've eradicated the carp from Tasmania. So is that something you could replace the carp with another introduced species? Um, I'm not sure if they'd they'd um, survive in our cold. Cold waters. Maybe oh, they would. I think they um, would. Yildon's extremely help. cold. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's like basically a big valley up in the sort of high country. And it's, like, it's extremely cold, quite comparable to Tassie, I would imagine. So I think they'd thrive. You should do it. All right. Uh, I'll put that on my list of things to consider. Just take it upon yourself and do it, okay? Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll okay. sleep on it. Very good. Great catch of the week there, Joey. I did enjoy that. And if Mel's listening, we'd love an invite one day. That's an absolute dream fish, the big yeah. one-meter cod. They do some great uh, fishing, uh, the Fullisses. So, yeah, huge fans. Mm. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's all we're really going to go into with the fishing side of things. A um, couple of little points to touch on. Uh, next week we've got a really big show, Joey, with all the stuff happening down in Portland with the wind, proposed windmills and seismic blasting, etc., And netting. It's become pretty clear that Joe and I don't have the time to do the research required to talk about it with any sort of knowledge or authority, I should say. So we've gone to a man who's been, had his finger on the pulse. He's going to come into the studio next week and have a chat to us. So Justin Church from Just Your Average Fishos, he's been attending meetings, chatting to people, talking to politics, politicians, and uh, he's got his finger on the pulse, Joe. So he's going to come on the show next week and give us a full rundown on what's going on down there. Yeah. Look, hopefully all that stuff isn't um, too far down the line. Like there's a lot of groundswell about it, but I'm definitely interested to yeah, get a good opinion on it uh, next week. Absolutely. So that's going to be really interesting to listen to. Uh, and just um, some housekeeping points where... Looking at, so next week we'll be live again and then we're going to go down the path, I believe, Joe, and everyone tell us how you feel about this. We're going to do 
our live episodes once a month instead of every week. Um, and then we'll be still weekly chucking some pre-records out there. Now, this is A, because we want the product to be at its best. So doing the live records once a month, we'll be able to chock, make them chock full of really good entertainment, have great guests on. It'll give us the time we need to prepare. And we'll make our weekly episodes beautifully pre-recorded, edited and as smooth as silk. And um, you'll get your weekly hit and win against Tide and the one big live episode every month. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, we really we enjoy doing this, and um, when we we travel, um, whether it's you know on the water, uh, at the shops, even uh, in our day jobs, um, we're constantly surprised uh, how uh, how much enjoyment uh, this podcast uh, brings to um, our fans, and it might not always relate to you know, uh, hundreds or thousands of views on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, but uh, for the people that really enjoy it, it really spurs us on to, um, yeah, keep keep doing the show and uh, bringing this to you every week. So, yeah, that's all i got to say about that, Dave. Beautifully said. And our ever-popular hoodie line carries on. We've got... Um Small amounts of stock of our other designs, but it's come to a time of year where we want to release something new in time for the boat show, Joe. So we're going to do another pre-order and then we're going to take a bunch of them to the boat show to sell. So we've been tossing around some ideas for a design. I've got a couple. Uh, One's related to Joe's crispy skin salmon obsession. Um, There's a couple of other little funny ones and maybe a couple of more serious designs. But if you've got a great idea for a hoodie... Shoot it, shoot it across in a message and um, you know, we'll see what we come up with. So we're in the design process there. So just get excited, everyone, because we're going to have a new hoodie design coming along. In time for the boat show, which is on the 26th to the 29th of October this year, we're going to be there again and uh, we can't wait to be there. The BIAV are putting on another huge event at the Docklands. Jonah, you're coming. Jonah's gone. I'm certainly con- no. I'm here. I'm certainly considering it, especially if we no, have no, a fish. You're coming. Um, am I? Yep. I've locked you in now. Well. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think I'm pretty close to 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 coming. I think. So. Okay. So more than likely, it's Jonah's just you coming. Might just throw in a sweetener, and I'll okay. I'll lock it in. Okay. More than likely, Jonah's coming. Suraj, King Kong, Donkey Kong. He's coming. Joe. Probably not coming on holidays as usual. I'm, I'm at a wedding at Thailand. I'm going to return to exotic fishing in Thailand while I'm attending a wedding. But and I'll be thinking about you guys. But, Jonah, I think... Exotic fishing, exotic ping pong shows. <laughs> I think you I think you should extend your trip because I think we should have a good old November snapper catch-up. A, a snapper been... whaling session. <laughs> I agree. I think we're well overdue for a, a fish together anyway. Um and I haven't caught a snapper in quite a while now. So. Yeah, just like the boat show will be the end of October. That is in line with the traditional Melbourne spring snapper season. So the snapper, the rods will be twizzling and buckling. So stay, stick around for that. And we, we even get should get Shane down from the West Coast. Let's just have a big old catch up. Yep. You can all just borrow my boat while I'm stuck at work. That's, that'll, you know, that sweetens the deal. Just leave the keys. <laughs> <laughs> on yeah, the kitchen that table. Does it. The only condition is that Joe's not allowed to drive. <laughs> Joe. Oh. I don't want it. I, I prefer to be driven. I'm not going to be a lowly boat driver. I prefer to just sit on my esky sleeping chair with the food tucked no. safely underneath it and be driven around. No, you've got it worked out, no. actually. I'm the idiot that, <laughs> that pays for the thing, for your sleeping quarters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does sound like a plan. Uh, Jonah, what have you got? Have you got anything else to add for the evening before we sign out? Uh, I think we've just about covered it all. Um, you you haven't asked me what the best part of the um, the after show was, though. Oh, that oh. seems like a fairly straightforward question that we've forgotten to ask. So, yes, go away. It go does. ahead. <laughs> well, look, as much interviews. as I love... That's all right. Um, look. As much as I love seeing all the awesome tackle, um, meeting some great people, um, when was, was there just the setting of the Gold Coast itself, really? 
I think the best part for me was actually meeting all of my uh, black magic um, squad. colleagues, work colleagues, squad, exactly. Um, there was, yeah, they really are like a, a real family. I'm not just saying that, yeah. but um, it's just one of those things where, um, Up yeah, for a promotion, the, are we? the whole, the whole group was just, we just worked together well. And um, that was, that really did make the, uh, the whole, the whole trip, I think. Yeah, no, it, it did look that way to us, Jonah. It looked like you and, all and, had and you, absolute ball. Exactly, and it was. And this isn't just me plugging plugging um, black magic at all. You know, no, I, I wouldn't do that. No, well, you you actually have steadfast, um, stead strong with black magic for a long time now. They've looked after you. You've looked after them, um, and it's a it's a great life binding contract that you have. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. Where if you don't I, use I a certain so, yeah. amount of buzzwords in the year, you're terminated permanently. L- loyalty, loyalty is a big one. Yeah, that, that's a key word. No, so absolutely. Note that down. Yeah. Yes. What do you mean? Yeah. Note that down. <laughs> oh, I just thought that you might. I, I, I no, I know, I know how you feel about sponsorships and everything else. Oh no, I'm all for them now. I'm yeah. sure you are. Okay, mm. but I'm sure your time will come, Dave. Where. Um, you will be able to describe it, this this same arrangement with a particular company the way I have, and you'll know this is this is it. This is the right one. Yep. So yeah, mm. that company will be win against Todd. With in affiliation with another company though, supporting you. Oh, I'm okay. sure. All right, sounds good. Mm. So there all, you go. All right, Jonah. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let us go. And uh, we're going to say goodbye for the night. No worries. Thanks for having me on again and um, look forward to chatting again soon. Good on you, mate. Good to be back. Good to be back. See you later, Jonah. Certainly is. Cheers. Thanks, Jonah. Bye. And see you later, world, for this week. See you all. got to get on that sweet, sweet black magic gravy train, Joey. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-mm.